Listen, the college basketball season starts next week. And you're going to hear some idiot say it's going to kick off next week. Football games kick off. Basketball seasons and games tip off. It's going to be in print somewhere. You're going to hear it on television. You're going to hear it on the radio. It cannot be dumber. Just remember, if you do nothing else this November, you say the college basketball season tips off. It's going to be a good one. Double bonus the rest of the way. Double two bonus as well. Right, two free throws. Both teams will be on the double bonus, so we'll have two the rest of the way. Welcome to episode three of the Double Bonus Podcast with your hosts, Brendan DeRocher and Tom Borstein. Uh, please do look us up at, at DoubleBonusPod on Twitter. DoubleBonusPod.com is our website. And subscribe and rate and review on iTunes and Spotify. We may soon be on other platforms, but those are the two most popular. So let's start there uh, rather than worry about the other ones. I, I will add um, another thing, another college basketball or just basketball lingo thing that I'm, I don't like is people say, this team is better on that side of the ball, or that player is better on this side of the ball. This is not football. There are ends of the floor. You're better on one end of the floor than the other end of the floor. You're not better on one side of the ball than the other side of the ball. Yeah, everyone's favorite stickler, Bobby Knight, uh, went made through that made, went through that very distinction, then declared <laughs> the uh, <laughs> press that he said, I'm just trying to help you guys out in this profession you've chosen that is one or two steps above prostitution we'll leave that part out of it bobby knight you know basically out of the game at this point but uh you know had his had his share of notoriety but yes oh, ends man. on the floor yeah, the ball's round there are no sides you are correct and you delivered it much more nicely than mr bobby knight okay let's get going here um so again we're, we're recording this episode um on a few days before the start of the college basketball season we're going to post it uh, well, you know when we posted it, you'll have seen when we posted it, but um, uh, but basically we're going to be previewing the uh, opening week of the season, but first we're going to be looking at some of the new faces we have uh, around college basketball, both coaches in new places, transfers in new places, and freshmen. Uh, we're also going to be looking at, um, uh, we have uh, picks. The first week we have about 13 games we're going to pick against the Ken Palm spread, so we, in, in, in doing so we will talk about those best matchups of the week and also other matchups that aren't very good um <laughs> and then we'll ha- we have our, we have our first uh, comment uh, that we're gonna as a question um that we got on our website so again if you ever have, if you have a question you can hit us on twitter double bo- a double bonus pod email is double bonus pod at gmail.com and um you can also i guess this person did dropped comment on our website at double bonus pod.com so let's start with some of these uh, these fresh faces. Um, let's look at some of the, these coaches. Which of these uh, new coaches in new places stick out the most to you? Obviously, some of the big names, but like, what other names stick out to you? Uh, let's start with um, Connecticut. Mm. They fired Kevin Ollie. They brought in Dan Hurley, who I think is a great hire. I just think Kevin Ollie got done dirty by this whole fired for cause thing like if they were so concerned about the ncaa violations then but they didn't fire jim calhoun uh connecticut was awful under kevin ollie and but unfortunately for cause does not include being a bad coach so uh sorry <laughs> connecticut you should pay him uh he's already nine million dollars that's a lot of money so whoops uh but dan hurley joining going to uconn i think is 
uh, a good hire for them. I think they've really struggled in the American. They've struggled since they left the Big East, and their football team is also terrible, which just makes it even like laughably bad. Like they give up 100 more yards per game, or they did a couple weeks ago, than any other team in the country. So not really working out for Connecticut uh, sports the last few years. Anyway, uh, Dan Hurley, good hire for them. Uh, I just wish Kevin Ollie didn't have to deal with all this legal nonsense. Just pay the man the $9 million. I know it's it's chump change in Connecticut. You know. <laughs> not a dime back is what Kevin Ollie says. Not a dime back, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, it's funny because... Um, of course, University of Rhode Island, where Dan Hurley was previously, is, is one of the big in-state rivals, or the big in-state rival for Providence College, my my favorite team. Um, Tom's a Kansas fan. I'm a Providence fan, and I'm also a Northwestern alum, so we for, for them. And Tom is a Columbia alum, so well, he roots for them as well. Um, and he goes to UConn, which is also a big rival of Providence, although they haven't played since um, UConn left the Big East for the AAC, or some would say the Big East left UConn because technically the Big East is actually the new conference, although they kept the name and Madison Square Garden. So it's interesting that he's still going to be a lot of the same recruiting battles with Ed Cooley in Providence. Maybe he'll win some more at UConn, but um, it would be nice to see those teams play, actually. Uh, but Dan Hurley finally beat Ed Cooley in Providence in his last season at, D- at DURI and then uh, took off to um, Connecticut. Uh, I do want to mention briefly, I want to talk about some of these more obscure coaching hires, but just so people are aware of the, the big ones. Louisville, uh, we see the Repetino and then David Patch, the interim coach, are out in favor of Chris Mack from Xavier. Uh, some A small rolling job there. He's already signed like six guys in his next class. Uh, he's got one of the best classes in the country coming in next year, Chris Mack, although Louisville looks spotty in the NCAA tournament this year would be their second I guess second or third straight year missing the NCAA tournament. Chris Mack was replaced from, by a member of his own staff, Travis Steele at Xavier. Um, and that team loses a lot from last season, including its coach. Um, and uh, But, you know, they're also bringing in some good players, a lot of transfers, and then have a nice recruiting class lined up for the following year. Uh, Pitt replaced Kevin Stallings, who was an utter disaster in his two years replacing uh, Jamie Dixon, probably the best coach in Pittsburgh history. And been replaced by... Uh, Duke assistant and former head coach at, um, I believe, VCU and Oklahoma, Jeff Capel, who's one of the best recruiters on the East Coast. Uh, he'll, he'll get them back and running, I'm sure, uh, at least towards the middle of the ACC. The other major conference hires were uh, Tom Crean replacing Mark Fox at Georgia. Tom Crean, who you know won Big Ten titles but lost the fan base at Indiana, didn't really ever go deep in the NCAA tournament. We'll go to Georgia. Uh, we'll have. Also, say. Did make the final four at Marquette. Yeah. So he got the Indiana job. He made the final four at Marquette. Drinks a lot of Diet Coke. Um, very, yells a lot. Very hoarse. Yeah. yeah he's like the Doc Rivers of, uh, of college basketball. <laughs> um, he goes to a school where he'll be a little bit under the radar with the Georgia Bulldogs football team. Always number one, number two, biggest sports at on campus. But uh, it's, it's a place you, you can win. A lot of good players in, in Georgia and not a place where they had a lot of success. Uh, Toby Smith probably had the most successful run there before he left Georgia for Kentucky in the mid to late 90s. Andy Kennedy was let go in the middle of last season at, at uh, Mississippi and replaced by Kermit Davis, the veteran former coach of Middle Tennessee who had that that machine running it, it, in um, in Tennessee the last few years, or actually for probably 10 or 15 years. Uh, he 
they, of course, Tennessee beat Michigan State in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. I think they beat Minnesota in the NCAA tournament another year. Uh, certainly a guy with a pedigree of winning the mid-major level. Um, Andy Kennedy did pretty well in conference in the SEC, but didn't only make the NCAA tournament twice um, and ultimately never really advanced very far. So those are our major conference hires. One more to mention, non-major conference. Uh, the Memphis uh, fired Tubby Smith and replaced him with Penny Hardaway. Everyone loves writing about Penny Hardaway and assistant coach Mike Miller. If you want to read about it, you could literally read, like, not even joking, like 25 different national columns on Penny Hardaway from the offseason. So I don't even talk about it here. If you, you know, there's about uh, a lot of people writing about that. What else? What else are you looking at, uh, Tommy? You think when you look at the new hires? I'm looking at Teflon Lorenzo Romar, who's popped up again at Pepperdine after a year away. He got fired by Washington after a lot of seasons. He was he went he was at Washington <clears throat> from 2002 to three. To 2016-17. How many times do you think he made the NCAA tournament there? Do you say 2003-2017? That's 15 seasons. I'm going to say he yeah. made it four times. Five you times. You are absolutely, absolutely correct. Four of times. course, he didn't make it any of his pre- last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six seasons. Despite having some pretty good players yeah. come through his... Uh, yeah, it looks play. like he made it six so, times. I'm seeing six. Oh, you're seeing... No, but that's at St. Louis. I'm talking about just at Washington. I see oh, 04, right. 05, yep, 06. Right. I can't read. Yep, you're right. Six times. But Nevertheless. What I want to do is spend a little time talking about all the players who played at Washington during the NCAA tournament. Let's start with Markel Fultz. I know that he hasn't had a great college uh, NBA career, but he was the first overall pick in the uh, in the NBA draft last year. That was a 2017 team. In 2016, he had DeJounte Murray, who became one of uh, a first-round pick, and Marquise Chris, also a first-round pick. I mean, granted, he hasn't been very good, but Mar- Murray's been good, although he's out for the year with an injury. So two first-round picks on that team um, didn't make the end tournament. They went uh, 9-9 and in conference in 2015-2016. Uh, if you jump back a little further, you see uh, Nigel Williams-Goss was on the 2014-2015 team that went 5-13 and in conference before he transferred to Gonzaga. Uh, go back a little further, and you have C.J. Wilcox and Nigel Williams-Goss on a team that went 9-9. Nine and nine. We have some other big names coming up. I, 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 Abdul Ghadi. I, I, like, I like the name. It's not really a big name, but that's he's, he's a guy as well. He's a, he's a person. Uh, Tony Roten, who was in the uh, the NBA, um, the, on that team, they went uh, – they did go 14-4 and four in conference, but they didn't make the NCAA tournament. Um, that was when the uh, – the Pac-12 was bad, which is actually what it still is. So that that conti- continues to be bad. When the, when the Pac-12 was yeah. bad. Yeah. Terrence Ross is on that team as well. Terrence Ross is still in the NBA. I mean, this is like kind of ridiculous how much talent. Isaiah Thomas was on, and Justin Holiday were on the team in 2011 that went um, 11 and 7. They made the tournament that year. That's the last time they made the tournament. They had Isaiah Thomas in 2010-11, and since then. They missed the tournament with like a bunch of uh, lottery picks and first-round picks, and I think Spencer Hall was on it previously and didn't make the tournament. Quincy Pondexter I didn't make the tournament very much either. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous. Anyway, your point is, Lorenzo Omar's back. Yeah, uh, another uh, really minor hire, Richard Barron replaces my guy Bob Walsh on Twitter. Great follow on Twitter. Don't know his handle. Maybe we can look that up in a second. But I think it's at Coach Bob Walsh, I want to say. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so he, uh, very insightful, would write a blog, he'd write a post, very thoughtful about end-of-game situations, how you might – I think he once wrote a post about instigating like a double violation on a free-throw line, knowing his team had the arrow, trying to get the ball back. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, he's being replaced by Richard Barron, who's a former women's coach in Maine. So you don't see that too often where a guy comes over. Now, Maine is obviously one of the lowest-profile 
um, teams in the country, but that's kind of uh, that's an interesting story, and I will miss Bob Walsh, but maybe he can be more prolific on Twitter now that he's not coaching uh, Division One. I, I was interested to see Joe Dooley uh, pop back up again. Uh, the former Kansas assistant is how I know him, but now he's back for a second stint at uh, East Carolina after being at Florida Gulf Coast, post-Dunk City. Um, so... Yeah, those are some. Those are two of the other random ones. And then we talked about um, the coaches who don't do well with talent. So we can't fail to mention Johnny Jones, who, of course, is most. See, I thought you were going to say Mark Godfrey. It's like it's, if it's so many coaches. <laughs> there are a lot of coaches who've done well with that. But Johnny Jones, of course, famously was terrible at uh, with um, Ben Simmons at LSU. How did that team? Not the SEC, the SEC was bad that year too. Like, just get, finish third, please, and go to March, and then lose. It's fine. I'm already pop up. I'm forgetting that. He's he, he's, uh, uh, he's somewhere in Texas. Uh, let's find out. Texas Southern. Yeah. Yeah, he replaced Mike Davis, I believe, who the former uh, Indiana yeah. coach, who, a former UAB coach, replaced Bob Knight, went to the Final Four at Indiana in 2002. Famously in the Sweet 16, played Duke, and he was like pleading on the sidelines on his knees after uh, Jason Williams was fouled on a three-pointer, but then he didn't make all the free throws. So, uh, yeah, it, Mike Davis is now at D- Detroit, or it used to be called Detroit Mercy. I'm not sure if it's still called that. Yeah, Mike Davis also got ejected from a um, Indiana-Kentucky basketball game, went right on the court, got one technical, kept joining at him, and was like very quickly. He was very upset at the end of that game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's been around a lot. You wonder, like, is there really no one better than Mike Davis to coach – Basketball he, he's a pretty good coach. He's done a good. He, he did a good job at Texas Southern. He's he's done it. He's had a good, you know, good success. He just he probably would never was really supposed to be the guy at Indiana. He just we know his name because he was at Indiana and made a Final Four. And he was at UAB before he was at Texas Southern. Yeah. He has, he's, yeah. He he made the final in 2002, right? So he has seven wins in the NCAA tournament. Five of them in that year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's see what else we have here. Ashley Howard was a longtime assistant at uh, Villanova. Um, he's now at LaSalle as the head coach. Um, he also hired Kenny Johnson, who was an assistant at Louisville that was fired in, amid some of the FBI investigations and came up in those FBI reports. Mark Goffrey, we mentioned the former NC State coach, former Alabama coach, former Alabama player who in 1987 played uh, on the Alabama team under Wimp Sanderson that lost to Providence College in the Sweet 16. You might remember that. Uh, I believe those games were played in Louisville, Kentucky at Freedom Hall. <laughs> um, he, goes to, he went to CSUN, which is uh, Cal State Northridge. Um, Walter McCarty, the former Kentucky star, and Boston Celtics kind of not really star, but Tommy Heinsohn loved him. He's at Evansville. He's a, he's a purple ace. Um, in the, it seems kind of random, but there he is. Tavares Hardy is the new coach at Loyola, Maryland. I went to college with him at Northwestern. He was an assistant uh at places like georgetown sorry uh i guess i'm sure i met him or not not we weren't friends let's put it that way uh romantic poet john dunn is the new coach at marist (laughs) uh tubby smith we mentioned how he got fired from memphis he's back at his alma mater at high point which is interesting he's trying to take like i don't know the eighth team to the to the ncaa tournament although he didn't go to the tournament with memphis he's been there with what georgia tulsa minnesota uh, texas tech kentucky it's at least five. Did you get Tulsa? Um, Sorry, you said Tulsa, right? I did say Tulsa, yeah. Tulsa, um, Georgia, Kentucky, yep, Minnesota. 
the Sweets, this I think it was a, it was a second round game in 1996 between Georgia and Syracuse, and the Syracuse team that was the final. That was one of the great second round uh, basketball games I've seen. It actually might have been Sweet 16. I think it was, actually was Sweet 16. Um, that was a that was a great game if you go back and watch. I think it was played in Denver. The court the courts were more um, distinct back back in those days, and the Denver oh, yeah, court. Yeah, you, you can look it up. Um, and the last guy we have on here is Shaheen Holloway, who um, was at Seton Hall as uh, one of the great from New York City freshman uh, guards back in the late 90s. Uh, ironically, he was, I believe he was injured for Seton Hall's run to the Sweet 16. Um, actually, they ran into the Elite 8, I think, in 2000. I believe that's right. But, uh, maybe a Sweet 16, they lost to Oklahoma State, and then Oklahoma State lost to Florida, and then Florida lost in the title game to Michigan State. But Shaheen Holloway's at St. Peter's. He's a Peacock. Um, and that's... you get any thoughts on, the, on any of these coaches, uh, Tom? No, if you, if you had to pick a romantic poet school, what school would you pick? Division one. Um, which, which is the most romantic yeah, school? Like Marist, whatever. Like, is it a... Eh. Like which, which, which Division one program? Would you pick? I feel like perhaps high schools are more romantic poet than uh, colleges, but yeah. I don't know. Can you think of one? Um, huh. I would say the most romantic poet. After after Baylor, by the way. <laughs> after Baylor, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like Samford feels a little bit romantic in the in the Southern Conference. Maybe University of New Hampshire. That feels like a little prep schooly. Yeah, um, I, was, I was thinking Vermont. Yeah, uh, I just sometimes the names like, they sound more preppy. Like uh, uh, there's actually not very many preppy sounding names of colleges as I scroll through Ken Palm up from the Towson. bottom up. Towson, Towson yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Utah State. <laughs> NJIT. is probably. I think NJIT is probably the least romantic sounding um, <laughs> college Division One college <laughs> basketball team name. Jacksonville State. Yeah, the, the Highlanders of NJIT. Um, what are we up to now? 353 in uh, Division One now? Is that right? Uh, 353, yeah. I, or, I guess so. Yeah, we, we have, I think with the new teams are like North Alabama and Cal Baptist, I think are two of the new teams. You know you know uh, how many teams are in Division One? How many? How do you, you know? Go to, you go to Virginia's tempo ranking and see it. <laughs> Ooh, zing. Um, zing. <laughs> okay, let's move on to some of the top transfers that are coming into college basketball this year. Um, I'll read down some of the names. Um, Reed Travis, Kentucky. Dedrick and K.J. Lawson at Kansas. Travis came from Stanford. The Lawsons came from Memphis. Joe Cremo from Albany to Villanova. Gino Crandall to North Dakota to, uh, from North Dakota to Gonzaga. Any of those names stick out to you or any other names down further on the list of these top transfers? Yeah, I'm excited about Dedrick Lawson at, Cam- at Kansas. Apparently, he destroyed Emporia, Emporia State in a scrimmage, so mm. all signs point to a domination. It'll be interesting to see how he comes in because last year Kansas's offense was so three-point oriented, and Azubuke barely could stay on the court for 20 minutes because of endurance and foul trouble or his own free throw shooting. So it'll be interesting to see now with Payne with a better front court how he does. KJ Lawson's kind of along for the ride, but Kansas will take him too. And uh, another so no, hold on. We, we got to talk about this a little bit further. Um, yeah. All right. So the, he beat up on Emporia State. Um, is the, I was reading through some of the documents. Um, how much does Adidas pay for Emporia State recruits? <laughs> how does that? How does that work? Is wow. there, is there, well, you let me off easy on the second podcast. Now we're back on the, yeah. the third one. 
This just in. Apparel companies spend money on <laughs> basketball. Okay, yeah. Uh, Makai Mason's got to me. He's a guy that I saw as a freshman in at Yale. Uh, he's on a very good Yale team uh, with Justin Sears and some other good players. Went to the NCAA tournament and beat uh, Baylor, and then now he's going to Baylor. Yeah. Uh, Injury is still a concern for him. Um, he considered leaving early at uh, Yale to go pro in Europe, but uh, decided um, after some injuries decided to transfer to Baylor, which needs him. You know, Baylor had a down year last year, and they 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 lose a. I think I muted myself there. So it was a significant amount for this year's team. Uh, he's going to be a major piece of uh, the Baylor puzzle this year. Mariel Shyock. I remember when he and Jared Reuter, also on this list, uh, transferred from Virginia. Reuter's at George Mason now, and Shyock is at Iowa State. Uh, people thought, wow, Tony Bennett, bad early exit in the NCAA tournament, and now he's got those guys transferring. People didn't have him in the top 20 last year. Um, but Shayok's a good player. He's a very good defender. Um, he's going to add a lot to Iowa State. We should bounce back after a rough year last year. Of course, Virginia had a great year last year. We were the best team um, in the regular season, and then um, you know they had some problems yeah. in the NCAA tournament. I don't think we can talk about transfers without talking about Nevada. They got four yeah. guys coming in who's at, who've averaged in double figures at other schools. Trey Porter's probably going to start for them at center. He's averaged 13.2 points per game with Old Dominion. Two years ago, and really, my question is: There's no. I don't think there's any question whether Nevada's going to be good offensively. I think Ken Palm has them ranking first preseason offensive efficiency, but Musselman's never had them be a top fifty defensive team. Mm, and good nugget. I don't think that. I mean, I know that team defense is not science. Coaches depends on the levels compared to the NBA, but like we'll see how we can get all these new guys in. Worry about them sharing the ball, which is obviously going to be a problem, or at least you know a, a situation. And also play defense, because I know everyone is super high on Nevada. We didn't really talk about them last episode and, like, overrated, underrated, because they're not in a major conference. But I don't know how, like, people are, oh, legitimate Final Four contender, which they very well could be. But I'd just be very interested to see how they gel on defense with all these new faces uh, in there. That's really a question mark for me. And I don't know how they do all these preseason defensive rankings when half the players haven't played together. So we'll see. It's a lot based on the coaches, and I heard you mention the situation. By the way, the, the situation from the Jersey Shore, he's from Johnson, Rhode Island, so shout out to Johnson, Rhode Island. Can I just That's uh, nevertheless, <laughs> nevertheless. Um, right. By the way, Nevada got blown out in a charity uh, exhibition game against uh, Washington, Washington and Mike Hopkins. Yeah. Um, of course, Washington probably ran out that 2-3 zone and uh, flummoxed a team that's trying to learn how to play together, so uh, take that for what you will. Uh, Joe Cremo of Villanova, you know, I feel like he should start personally uh, alongside uh, Quinterly and um, Malik, uh, not Malik Booth, Phil Booth. Um, but we'll see what happens there. Maybe he'll come off the bench. They, they also have uh, Colin Gillespie on their bench. Um, Gino Crandall, he just literally finished like two weeks ago, <laughs> I think. His class is at North Dakota, but he's now on the Gonzaga team. He's going to be their, one of their backup guards. That's going to be a stack, stack team. Tremaine Isabel, uh, he transferred from Drexel, not really a household name, but the St. Louis team he joins could be the A-10 favorite. That's a, probably the most talented team in the A-10. There are questions around whether Travis Ford can put it all together, but uh, that's a name that some major conference schools were looking at uh, during the transfer season this summer. Yeah, and one other guy I know you uh, have some opinions on, Reed Travis, the graduates transfer to Kentucky. Very strange um, to have Kentucky thinking of a fifth-year senior at Kentucky. Every picture I see of this guy, he's lifting weights. So I guess he's 
working out over the summer in, in, in anticipation of his final year of college basketball. What do we think about how Reed Travis fits in with Kentucky? Another I mean, Tra- high-profile Travis's problem is not his size. The guy is freaking huge. Um, his problem is he's not particularly athletic. He doesn't stretch the floor. My concern is that Kentucky always struggles to spread the floor um, and to have driving lanes for the dribble drive motion. I say always. That's not fair. The last couple of years, um, they haven't uh, had a lot of guys that stand at the floor very well or haven't been utilized that way by John Calipari, at least. And Travis is not a three-point shooter. He did make 18 last season at 29%, but, you know, he's also 67% on the foul line. He probably won't be much better than 29% this year or take that many of them. He is a guy that can score efficiently inside, um, and he gets to the foul line, and he rebounds on both glasses at both ends of the floor. Um, If you will. Yeah, if you will. But... I, he, it just seems like a weird fit. Maybe he'll be a great fit and be like a good counterbalance to the, all the athleticism they have, but I feel like he's going to make their offense slightly more stagnant. He's not a guy who passes the ball very well, and I, I don't see him as like a rim protector, which means they're going to play a rim protector next to him, which means they're going to have probably two non-shooters on the floor at, at all times. Kentucky was a weird team last year because they were mediocre shooting the three, 35.7%, which is 124th in the country, but they only scored 25% of their points from threes. Oh, sorry, they only took 25.8% of their shots from three, which is 344th in the country. So as you said, they were very um, reluctant to score from outside. I think probably you should shoot a little bit more just to help your offense a little bit. If you're, you don't think you're that terrible at shooting, maybe just space the floor a little bit. And they did, in fact, they ranked the same spot as far as um, where their points came from. They were 344th in points from three. So they got a lot of points inside, and I know they're going to want to space the floor more, and if it's a little weird how Reed Travis fits into that, as yeah. you said, but we'll see. Yeah, just one more point on Kentucky. You know, last year, uh, even though they weren't a great shooting team, they could play a four and a five who could stretch the floor, and Kevin Knox and Wenyan Gabriel, and both those guys are gone now. Um, the problem last year is their guards couldn't shoot. They had Hamadou Diallo, who was a non-shooter, and Shea goes, goes Alexander, who shot pretty well percentage-wise, but very infrequently. Um, now they actually have guards that can shoot, which should spread things out a little bit, but um, but with P.J. Washington um, and Reed Travis and Nick Richards, you do wonder how effective they're going to be um, with that kind of those kind of big guys up front without much uh, ball uh, spacing among them. If I could say that any, yeah. any more awkwardly. There you go. Anytime <laughs> you can mention it that way. Uh, I'm just clicking through the uh, Ken Palm. By the way, shout out to Ken Palm, who's seemed to have relaxed his login standards, and I now can click on more than one page without having to log back in again. So he must have been one of our five listens we had of our, of our first podcast. So <laughs> yeah, I'm good. looking at yeah, I'm looking at their percentage of scoring. They've never under Calipari pretty much the entire time. They've never been um, a three point team, and I guess that's a little surprising to me. But at the same time, embrace the three. It's that's really the way to go. Dunks and threes. So we'll see if Kentucky uh, does that this year, but we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think this will be the this will probably be the most three point dependent team uh, that Kentucky's had under Calipari. I would think. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about some of these uh, these freshmen. Um, you know, most of these guys are playing for top teams, so we'll talk about them uh, at length across the season. Um, but a few guys that might not be on. The top, top teams that we might want to mention, especially Charles Bassey's at Western Kentucky. He was, uh, if you look at RSCI, he's the uh, number nine rated player in the country. Uh, he's a big guy. Uh, they had a big guy last year who um, who matriculated originally and then never actually um, 
played a game there. He basically left uh, left early, and uh, I'm looking for his name. Uh, Mitchell Robinson. There we go. Mitchell Robinson. That's, yeah, there it is. And just in the Um but uh, Rick Stansberry is is thinking his team might be a favorite in the uh, in the Conference USA this year, and a big part of that will be uh, Mr. Bassey. Yeah, and uh, just looking through the list, I see Ball Ball has uh, popped up uh, in Oregon. A good reason to tune stay up late for late night Pac uh, Pac twelve action. Yeah. Um, seven foot one. Seven foot one and or seven two, I believe it is, and uh, yeah. seven eight wingspan for the Ducks, which is one of the few teams you can talk about wingspan with. Um, yeah, it seems like he's going to be shooting the three line, I and mean, nothing's better than a big man shooting the three. So, Oregon um, could be fun to watch in that conference, which can have some interesting uh, one-sided affairs. Um, what, what, just, keep going. Sorry. Uh, Oregon's one just two years removed from an overachieving Final Four where they uh, somehow beat Kansas in the regional final. But still don't understand how why Kansas played that poorly in that game. But, um, yeah, so we'll see uh, what ball ball looks like. Wasn't Perry Ellis still on that team, that Kansas team? Uh, yes, he was on the team. Yeah, there you go. There's your reason. Um, I am curious what you think as a Kansas fan of, uh, we can give us a little skinny on Quentin Grimes and Devin Dotson and how they'll fit in with, uh, with this number one ranked Kansas squad. Uh, well, I think they'll be fine. I think that Kansas is, they've always had one guard and I feel like the guard that comes back every year gets worse and worse. Like first it was Frank Mason coming back. Great. Like they were going to rely on Frank Mason. Totally fine. Then Devontae Graham really stepped up last year and now everyone's like saying how great it is that LeGerald Vick's coming back. I'm like, eh. I think there'll be some minutes. There'll be points to be had uh, for them. So they seem like they're going to be pretty excited. I think Kansas, remember Kansas last year was four out. They had uh, Svi Mahalik, who's gone. So there's going to be, and now Malik, and Malik Newman's gone. Everyone can shoot the three. And now they have LeGerald Vick, who's obviously a, a slashing three. But I think these guys will fit in nicely, and have a, Kansas will be very balanced on the floor. We'll see how Kansas's defense can go, because they have kind of tailed off in recent years. And uh, having some uh, better guard defense uh, on the court will will help them. Graham and Graham was a good defender. Mason was just so-so. So we'll see how they slide in. Um, before we we end on these freshmen, I do want to men- make sure we mention uh, some of the top ones in case people are just tuning into college basketball and are wondering. Duke has three of the top recruits in the country and four of the top uh, 13. R.J. Barrett is considered the likely number one overall pick in the draft next year. He pretty much does it all as a wing um, Cameron Reddish is a very good shooter and also on the wing, kind of a, a big shooting guard at 6'6". Zion Williamson is probably the guy you've heard of the most. He's uh, incredibly athletic at 6'7", 6'8", um, and huge. He's like, I don't know, what is he, three, 280 pounds. Um, so he's, and he was, of course, featured, uh, featured maybe the right word, in the FBI investigation. And Trey, Trey Jones, who's the brother of Tyus Jones, who was the point guard on the last Duke championship team, uh, well, all four of those guys are to the start. The question is, who will be the fifth starter? My vote is for Javin Delorier, who's returning, but um, that's more because of fit. Um, other guys to look at, Naz Little, we mentioned him in the last uh, um, podcast when we were talking about North Carolina. He, you know, Luke May is picked by a lot of people to be a first-team All-American. I think he might be the most vulnerable of those of the kind of the consensus. The consensus is usually R.J. Barrett, Carson Edwards, Luke May. Um, and there's two other guys who are cons- oh uh, Dedrick Lawson's one of them, but I feel like because Nas Little could be so good that Luke May might end up not having the same kind of stats, even though he might be still very good. Romeo Langford is the kind of one of the best known Indiana high school players. Um, 
in a very long time. I wouldn't say since Damon Bailey, but it's been a long time. He's uh, very well thought of. Um, Simi Shitu has an injury he's still coming back from. He should be clear to start the regular season for Vanderbilt, but it's unclear. Vanderbilt last year was um, the worst team in the SEC in, on defense, in part because I think they allowed like 44% on three-pointers, which is uh, really hard to do, um, even though they actually didn't give up that many three-pointers. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll learn all these guys' names as we come in. You know, a couple guys that I know from the Big East that should be interesting are Javon Quinterly from uh, Villanova, the point guard I mentioned a little bit earlier. And actually, Providence has a really good recruiting class led by David Duke, who from who's from Providence, um, and A.J. Reeves, who's from uh, from Boston. And those two guys may both start, actually, um, for a Providence team that uh, Tom picked to finish under third in the uh, Big East on our last podcast. You mentioned some good names there, David Duke. Uh, But what do you think about... Here's the thing with... Duke always has, like, one villain that's been hated. And now they're going to the... um, They're going to the one and done high-profile players. Do you think that it's going to be as easy to dislike Duke if they don't have Grayson Allen or J.J. Redick running around the floor for four years? I think people are going to be able to... I mean, Zion Williamson's obviously going to hear it, so... But what do you think about that? It's kind of like, eh, I kind of, I kind of losing. Duke's kind of losing its edge. Maybe that's why Coach K is going for the one and done. I think Alex O'Connell really has a good shot to be that four-year player. I mean, it, it, he probably won't start this year. He could be that fifth starter if they go really small. But I think he's a good chance maybe to start next year and and in his senior year. So this is a guy who could be a four-year player at Duke, although he only played in about about ten minutes a game last year. I do think it's going to be harder to hate the guys that move on. But, uh, you know, I kind of liked Marvin Bagley, even though I'm not really a big Duke guy. Um, I wasn't a fan of Gary Trent or Trayvon Duvall, uh, mainly because of, well, Trayvon Duvall because of his game. It was so gross to watch. But, um, uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you hate Duke enough like I do, you can, you'll find things to hate. You know, I'm not really worried about, I'm not worried about the loss of Grayson Allen being a big loss for Duke hating. Uh, I'll figure something out. Okay, good. Just making sure. Just check in. Yeah, so let's uh, let, we, we talked about some of the fresh faces. Let's move on from that, and let's go to our uh, the season starting Tuesday night. It's starting. Mm-hmm. It's election off. night. Um, yeah, it's tipping off. It's not kicking off. It's not the first pitch. It's no dropping. one really says that. Yeah, the puck's not dropping. No one really says the uh, comment is first pitch. Kickoff is like the thing that people use in like kind of generic speak. Um, but we have some games to look at. This is exciting that uh, we have we we've chosen you know ten or eleven of the best games and three really bad ones to pick. <laughs> we'll let um, you figure out. We're not going to say which ones are the bad games. We'll let the listeners yeah. decide which are the bad. Since it's before a lot of these spreads have come out, we're going to use the Ken Palm spreads, and uh, this will be a good way to start talking about some of these um, uh, some of these top teams. And let's kick it off with oops, no, wow. let's tip it off. <laughs> Let's so tip you, it off. Yeah, there it is. It is a problem. See, at yeah. the opening of this podcast, I said before the season starts, you will hear it. And it was like <laughs> this very shell. That is a knife in the back. I don't know if you said that because I picked against Providence in the last show or what it is, but that really hurts. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if it hurts as much as when Bill Self has his toupee taken off by a, a propeller of a helicopter. But, yeah. <laughs> Bill Self is recovering from hernia surgery, so please show some respect. He's lost 20 pounds, okay? As someone who once considered uh, sports hernia surgery, Duke is playing Kentucky to start the season in the Champions Classic in Indianapolis. I think that's a late game, so I think you put them out of order. Do you want to start in the early game? I, I did it in order of a Ken Palm fan match score, and that's okay, probably cool. my, my problem. So, yeah. Well, I'm picking Kansas in the early game, so 
Yeah, so yeah. Kansas minus seven against seven, Michigan yeah. State. That's uh, pencil it that, in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Sylvia D'Souza being held out will not affect this game. I think they're going to play well. They usually play well in these games. They've got quite a big, quite a few scalps. They beat Duke a few years ago at the Garden when Duke was really good. Um, I believe they they beat Michigan State in the tournament uh, two years ago, and I think they beat them in the same tournament. They, basically, the same four teams play. You play one of the schools every three years. So mm-hmm. I think Kansas is one. Of them. Let me look that up before I just embarrass myself with that. But yeah. So they well, play while you're looking that up, Tom, what do yeah. you think about Villanova replacing Michigan State in the Champions Classic? What are your thoughts on that? Hey, I mean, man, no one, no one's talking about it, but I, I just want to know if you think it should happen because I do. Um, well, first of all, they lost the last time they played at this tournament. So, whoops. Uh, Twenty fourteen, they did not play. The Kansas beat Duke. Um, the second game of the year. Um, I think that's fine. I like Villanova. I think they're really exciting. I think they're fun to watch. Like, who was, a, who was more fun to watch in college basketball as a champion than last year's Villanova team? Like, name a team. Um, so, yeah, and Michigan State, I'm kind of not really the greatest of lights right now with their program. Uh, some controversy off the court as far as um, what's going on at that school. So, and, and Villanova's won two championships in the last three years, and they've won three since 85. So how far do you have to go back before you get three championships from Michigan State? I think they've only had two, period. They had the Magic, and they had uh, Mateen Cleaves and Mo Pete and the Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. So they're demoted. I'm, I'm with you, Brendan, 100%. Let's get them out. Let's get Villanova in. Get the Big East in there. Move on. Yeah, I'm actually going to take the points here and take Michigan State after all that. Um, I really like Cassius Winston. If he can cut down the turnovers, he could be one of the best point guards or the best point guard in the country. Uh, I, I do wonder what happened with, uh, I guess, Thomas just didn't, didn't know how to play his, his rotation last year. I do think it'll be a little simpler this year. Nick Ward is is good. He's not mobile. you got to put him at center, but I think he'll play a lot more um, if he can stay on the floor. Uh, I do worry about him playing with Xavier Tillman a lot together. It's not a lot of floor spacing and not a lot of mobility, maybe. Um Foster Lawyer comes in, uh, which is a great name. Also, he's uh, probably going to come off the bench and, and knock down some shots for them. Was a really good high school player in, in the state of Michigan. Uh, yeah, I'm actually. I, I think Kansas will win, but I'll take the seven points and I'll take Michigan State. Uh, what about Duke, Kentucky? What do you think? It, it, the spread is Duke minus one. So it's basically a pick them. 85.4 fan match score, by the way. So very high up. Yeah, uh, by I far the take, highest of the first week. Yeah, I will take Duke. Um, I think they're. Um, they're, they got the freshman talent. If you look at all those top um, top recruiting classes, they're, they, you know, the CBSSports.com one, I think, had their three in the top five or two in the top five. No, three in the top five in Barrett, Williamson, and Reddish. So yeah, I think, I think some had them all top three, one, two, three yeah, at, at is, one point. Yeah, so give yeah, give me Duke. Um, I think they um, – it's actually, if you had to pick a – Indianapolis is obviously not too far from Kentucky, so they might have a slight – uh, advantage in the stance, but I just like, I don't know. I feel like Calipari's team is going to take, they take a little longer to gel sometimes, so give me uh, Duke minus one. Okay. I love Kentucky in this game. I'm going Kentucky all the way. This is good drama. We're not even intentionally picking against each other. Kentucky uh, might be the best team in the country. Um, you know, I Cal loves his team more than anyone else has ever loved Cal's team before. He'll probably still feel screwed when it comes to March, but uh, I, I think I'm high in this Kentucky team, unfortunately, and, and, I, and I like them. I think they have a lot more experience. Uh, they have a more size. 
and um, and they have more depth. So I'm going to go, going to go Kentucky. Cool. Two other games that well. night. Go for yeah. it. Uh, Florida State minus five at home to Florida, and then uh, we'll let you handle the next game. But I like Florida in this game. I think Mike White gets a lot of doesn't get enough credit for how good consistently his defense his defense is. Uh, Phil Covers out four to six weeks. I'm not sure if this line reflects that, so I might be getting give me five points here for Florida. Uh, but uh, Florida's projected to be good defensively again. They've been top twenty five in efficiency before. Uh, we talked last show how I think they're going to be. Uh, Better than expected in the SEC, so give me Florida in this game. Uh, I'm also going to take Florida. Um, I do have some concern about having a, a freshman point guard, but Andrew Nemhard seems so reliable that he's almost like a reminds me a little bit of maybe not quite as good, but a Jalen Brunson type in terms of just having like a veteran presence. He's Brunson, Brunson's always been a better scorer, but in terms of just like running a team. Uh, I think that he won't be affected all that much by um, the early game on the road, but Florida State is gonna uh, is gonna pressure you, um, and they have a lot of length, so we'll see. Um, I, I could look silly, but I think we I agree with Florida. Um, and then the other game on opening night that we're gonna talk about is uh, it's Providence playing at home against Siena. Uh, Siena has a new coach, Jamion Christian, who's uh, who left. Uh, for Albany from uh, Mount St. Mary's. It's a 17-point spread for Providence. Um, you know, the Friars are, are notorious early in the season for playing teams very close. At the same time, Siena is picked by many to finish last in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, and the Friars' defense should should be good from day one. Uh, I think that the tricky thing is if, if the teams slow it down, I could see this game being just like kind of a 13-14 point game, but I think they'll probably try to speed it up and the Friars will win and cover the 17-point spread. That's a lot of points, Brian. A lot of points. Yeah. And, yeah, a lot of new faces for Providence. So give me, uh, give me, uh, and we'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep sticking to you. Let's give me Sienna plus 17. Mm, wow. Well, taking the points. You picked, yeah, you picked, uh, you picked Michigan State. I did pick Michigan State. Yeah, I didn't even intend to pick against Kansas, but it happened. One's there. You have to do it. Next okay. game ne- is uh yeah, that's no, another one of your games. I'm sorry. You can. Oh, is this one? Is this one of my games? Is, yeah. Is, uh, okay. Cincinnati. Uh, oh, no, three I point. One. Sorry, I missed. I missed. I missed. <laughs> it's okay. It needs a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> the Northwestern game is is the worst game of the whole bunch, but Cincinnati is playing Ohio State. Uh, the rechristening of Fifth Third Arena. I'm not sure if it's still called that, but um, uh, Ohio State's in town. Cincinnati's uh, a three-point favorite. They both teams have lost a lot. Um, Ohio State lost Kate Bates, Diop, Jayshon Tate, um, and Cam Williams. Cincinnati lost Gary Clark, uh, among others. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Bearcats. Uh, I'm gonna lay the three points. I like this um, Cincinnati defense to come to play in the first game. I'm a little bit concerned about how they'll play across the season for um, uh, uh, in the AAC, which isn't a great conference this year, but um, because, in large part because Cincinnati and both Wichita State are down. But I think in this opening game, Ohio State will have some pieces to put together, but Cincinnati, I'm going to take them to win and to cover the three points. The last game Cincinnati played was that terrible meltdown against Nevada, right? In, this, in the round of 32, is that right? That is true. Oof, that was really bad. 
Um, one of the sneaky, one of the worst losses of a year last year, I feel like. Uh, maybe not sneaky, but just terrible. Anyway, um, Mick Cronin's had all summer to stew about that. So I'll take Cincinnati. Okay. Um, next up, we have uh, that game is the first game that's on Wednesday. Also on Wednesday is uh, maybe I have some of these dates right, but we have Northwestern against New Orleans. I don't know how to talk about this game. Northwestern's favorite by 19. New Orleans. Er, uh, the other Irvin Johnson once played for New Orleans. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to take New Orleans to cover because whatever. Uh, we we kind of made this thing. We're going to pick all Northwestern and the Columbia and Providence and Kansas games, which once you get to Northwestern and Columbia, it's going to be a little bit rough, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fight through it. I'm picking New Orleans because I will not be watching this game. So, but maybe I'll pay attention to the score a little bit more on my phone because of uh, this pick. 19's a lot of points, even in Evanston. <laughs> Evanston, more like Evanston. Um, Providence is playing again um, late next week in Annapolis um, on neutral court against Wichita State. It's uh, still unclear to me. I was looking at today whether Teddy Allen, the West Virginia. Um, transfer is going to be able to play for, for Wichita State. That team has lost a ton um, from last year's team that was considered to be a potential Final Four team and, and underachieved a bit and then lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um, and they even had players transfer. They had a player who was originally committed to them who ended up deciding to commit to um, Memphis. Uh, Marcus McDuffie's back, but not a whole lot else is back. Uh, they do get a, a couple good Juco transfers and Ricky Torres and James Echenique. Uh, I'll take Providence to cover. Uh, I'm not that comfortable with it. Um, I could totally see it going the other way, but I'll take the Friars. Um, playing a little closer to home and uh, with a little more coming back, or maybe a lot more coming back than Wichita State. Yeah, Wichita State is one of the, we talked about this a bit the last time, they're one of the biggest drop-off teams in college basketball the last two years. They were um, their 72nd in Ken Palm this year after being in the 20s the year before, and now they're, um, that's the that's good for fifth best in the A in the American, and they're picked to finish eighth in the conference, which seems really hard to believe that the team with the track record of Wichita State would be finished that low in that conference, but I guess that conference is obviously a little bit up this year, um, but I'll take, I'll take Providence here to uh, minus two. Minus One thing two. in Wichita State's favor is that they do have a freshman incoming named Isaiah Poor Bear Chandler, so keep that in mind on the all-name team. Why don't you take the next three? They're they're like your conference teams. It looks like um, the next four actually. Yeah, you got Texas minus seven against Arkansas. That game's going to be at Fort Bliss in El Paso. Um, I know Brennan, you're down on Arkansas. Um, Texas definitely uh, questionable. Shaka Smart's been kind of a, a little bit of a disappointment there, I'd say, so far in his three years there. So we'll see how things turn around here. They've lost a lot, especially inside. Um, so I'll take, uh, I don't know. Arkansas has lost a lot too, though, so it's tough to say. I think I'll take, uh, it's in seven, that's a weird number. I'll take I'll take Texas, Texas though. Go Big 12. I'm taking Texas. Uh, the Big 12, um, you know, Arkansas may be the worst team in the SEC. I picked up them as the under in our last uh, podcast. Go back to that. We, we had fun talking about unders and overs for conference picks. Uh, you'll have fun too listening. But I'm going. I'm going Texas. Cool. 
Yeah, the next game we got is Iowa State hosting Missouri. Uh, Jonte Porter's out for the season, torn ACL and MCL. Not good. Um, I'm not sure this minus seven spread um, factors that in. Um, but in the event that it doesn't, let's go with Iowa State here. Always, uh, they've kind of, after, since um, Hoiberg left, they've kind of settled down in the bottom third of the Big 12. But um, and this doesn't look like it's the year it's going to turn around. But I know Brendan's down. Brendan's down on the bottom of the SEC. So I think you're actually yeah. mostly down on the SEC, except for Kentucky. You love Kentucky. <laughs> And Florida. Well, and you love Florida, but everyone else, yeah, meh. I, I think this is going to be really good this year, except that I, and that's part of why I, I've taken the under on Missouri and Arkansas. Those teams have weaknesses, and they're going to fall all the way to the bottom. Um, I'm taking Iowa State. I like Iowa State this year. I think they're top 30 in uh, Ken Palm. Three Man Weave, which is a really good podcast you should check out, um, has them in the 27th. Lindo Wigginton is back. We talked about Mario Shyak earlier. Nick Weiler, Bab, Cam Lard. Uh, I think this is an NSA tournament team. Um, I think I think Missouri's not going to be good, and I don't think seven points is enough. All totally fair. Um, moving on, the next game we got is Auburn against Washington. I actually think this will be an exciting game. Auburn's fun to watch offensively. Uh, Washington uh, has gotten enough to a good start. They played Nevada in a charity scrimmage and killed uh, Nevada, even without Noah Dickerson. So... This is nine points. This game is at Auburn. Uh, so who knows how Washington's going to be affected coming east and going to Alabama, which is probably about as different from Washington as you can get. Um, give me Washington plus nine on the road here. Yeah, I'm also going to take Washington. Um, you know, I feel like you're going to need a good shooting performance from uh, Auburn to cover that nine points. Um, and again, the trip is a problem. But, you know, Tom and I actually saw Washington in person in the Madison Square Garden last year, lose to Providence um, in a tournament uh, around Thanksgiving. Um, Washington was supposed to be not very good, and they played it close. And I was a little bit worried about Providence at that point, but it turned out actually that Washington was just better than expected, and they should be even better this year with Jalen Noel and Noah Dickerson back. Uh, David Crisp is a, is a good little point guard for them. Um, you know, I think this is a team that could be the best team in the Pac-12. 12 maybe if Oregon's not it might, might be Washington I'll, I'll take Washington to cover that nine yeah, yeah seems fair um Harvard last year uh their next game we got the next game up here they have Harvard uh, against Northeastern you name battle of the um bean pot but it's in basketball yeah. And, and so, you know, we want to not just talk about the six major conferences here. So we're trying to throw yeah, so in some teams. Harvard is, should be good this year. So uh, what, what do you think? You like Bill Cohen? You like Tommy Amaker? What do you got? I like uh, Tommy Amaker. I mean, I don't like Tommy Amaker, but in this specific game, minus three, I like Harvard. The Harvard Crimson actually really have the dim view of many things Tommy Amaker's done. But that's another story. But Harvard literally brings everybody back uh, to their team that was uh, lost in the ridiculous – Road game, Ivy League tournament against Penn last year. Um, still ridiculous that Penn gets to play a home game in that tournament. And then lost to Marquette in the NIT. Didn't even make the tournament last year, which is a little bit strange for Harvard after they um, had uh, they actually had a man in two years. But I mean, this, this is the team for this is going to be a bounce back team for Harvard. And I think they will take care of this uh, game minus three at home. Yeah. I expect that actual spread for this game to be a little bit higher. Um, but Bill Cohen's been at least in forever. They've had good teams year in, year out. Have never really broken through on the national level. Never had one of those kind of runs that ends up getting you in that spot. 
but I do like Harvard uh, to cover the three points at, uh, was it Levetti's? Is that what it's called? I believe it's pronounced Levides. Levides, okay, gotcha. Uh, next That's up, we got three We got three more games. This, these are on uh, Saturday. Um, Belmont, this is a great matchup of uh, mid-major programs. Belmont, team I saw play in person last year at the Dunkin' Donuts Center and Chiron Cartwright, a game-winning three-point shot. If you look at the uh, highlights on ESPN, you could see a vague kind of outline of me with my my arms raised up in victory when Cartwright hit this ridiculous shot to beat Belmont. The point is, though, Belmont's good. They run a tricky offense. They're actually decent on defense. But Illinois State actually is quite good as well. Um, what do you think about this matchup? It's a two-point uh, favor for Belmont in Nashville against the Redbirds. I think this is a game that Dan Muller scheduled because he won 28 games um, two years ago and did not make the NCAA tournament. And I think he's starting to realize that no matter what you do, and you really don't want to put all your cards on the table, and uh, or all your eggs, sorry, I should say, mixing metaphors here. You don't want to put all your eggs in the basket of the Missouri Valley tournament. Especially if you're before. a redbird, you're going to distribute your, your eggs a little bit. Yeah, so he's been tweeting about this apparently, looking uh, looking for big games and trying to get bigger conferences to play. But um, Malik Yarbrough is really good, um, and I think he's a I think he's a good asset for them in this game. So I give me uh, give me them in this game. Give me what's the spread though? It is uh, two. Oh, plus two. Yeah, give me yeah, definitely. Give me Illinois State. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I like Illinois State. Um, some people, including uh, CBS, has Illinois State ranked actually higher than Loyola. Um, they do return a lot of significant pieces. Um, they also have a good junior college transfer coming in, and Zach Copeland is going to probably going to start in the backcourt for them. Um, so we'll see. I think this will be a big game for Illinois State. If Illinois State and Loyola go head-to-head in the uh, Missouri Valley, maybe both end up getting the tournament, depending on how they can do at a conference. This will be a big part of, of that one. Uh, so two more games. Take take us home, Tom. Sure. The next uh, game, we got USC minus four at Marist. Oh, sorry, at uh, Vanderbilt. Marist is the next game. Sorry, USC minus four, home to Vanderbilt. Uh, Simeon Shutu, will he be ready to play for Bandy towards ACL in January? I guess that's a big question entering this game. And the question is USC, which was befelled by injuries last year. How are they going to come out this year? Um, I'll take USC minus four. I'm going to take Vanderbilt. Right. I, I think part of it is because I don't think uh, – well, because I, I like Bryce Drew. I th- you know, he, he, they could have beaten Northwestern last year or two years ago in the in the conference tournament. Um, I, I do, um, I do like their freshman classes coming in. They they are very good on offense. They should be this year. If the defense gets a little bit luckier on three pointers and and just is a little bit better, you have to think that um, uh, that they should be pretty good this year. USC of course uh, returns um, Benny Boatwright and then brings in a great freshman in Kevin Porter. I mean we know that. Um, that they that they're bringing players at USC. Why can't I remember the name of their coach? The the, the uh, from Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, I'm blanking on the coach's name. Um, but anyway, the point is that they um, that they have a lot of talent at at, U, at um, USC, but they tend to squander it. And so I'm going to go with um, a team that has talent and maybe won't squander it quite so much. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Vanderbilt in that uh, very awkward. Um, Andy Enfield, by the Andy way. Andy Enfield. There you there go. You go. There you go. Yeah. We're working out the kinks. Working out the kinks. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So who is the last game is the Columbia Lions, who were disappointed last year, uh, getting one point at Marist on the mm. 10th of November. So this one honestly is, is better than the Northwestern game. <laughs> the Pro- Providence-Siena game and the fan score, 33.8. It's out of 100, right? Uh, I don't know. It may, well, I, I don't know what would be the highest possible. I guess it would be two really fast-paced teams who are really, really good and also um, really, really close in, in quality. Yeah, I think Duke-Kentucky is 85, so I feel like it probably doesn't get much higher than 100. Yeah, Columbia is really in the second tier of um, the Ivy League uh, this year. They, um, Mike Smith probably their best player. Um they got Ellis, a freshman who could be um, a good guard, a good addition for them. So we'll see. But I'm not picking against Columbia. But they're definitely behind Harvard, Yale, Penn, and Princeton in the uh, Ivy League. But they're definitely ahead of Dartmouth, who are terrible. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Columbia here as well. Um, Marist is considered a bottom-tier team in the uh, in the Metro Atlantic Conference, athletic conference. Um, they have a new coach. Um, you know, I think I think I like Columbia in this game. So, I mean, when you do a, your first podcast with picks, you want to end it on Maris Columbia. I think that's, that's I mean, pretty that's much. Really, that's the, what the manual says, right? That's what they say. Like, you Google how to do a good podcast. They say definitely pick Columbia Maris to tip off the season uh, in, uh, in style. So, yeah, that seems about right. Well, let's wrap it up with uh, our first uh, correspondent. Uh, we have um, we have a, a comment on uh, doublebonuspod.com. Uh, it comes from uh, Lucas. He says, very excited for the new pod to drop. First guest question. Uh, he, you're not a guest on the podcast. You're just asking a question. Let's just be that clear, Lucas. Um, player most stereotypical of the Bill Carmody Northwestern era. Kyle Rowley, inability to recruit. Meaning that that's why he's represented. Vedran Fukusic, he's a Balkan. <laughs> Tim Doyle, he's, he's scrappy, looks like the student body. So which of those three is most stereotypical of the Bill Carm- Carmody era? I'm going to go with uh, Tim Doyle. I think Tim Doyle is the call because, one, he does look at the student body. Um, He kind of is the player that everyone would be if they were better at basketball. He's, like, really good at passing, not a good shooter. Like, um, and he also is super annoying, which, you know, a lot of those preppies at Northwestern can be really annoying. Tim Doyle, you've heard him on TV maybe in the Big Ten Network or on Stadium. be a little annoying. Um... So, you know, Bill Carmody, I met when he was his first year at Northwestern was my first year at Northwestern. So, uh, you know, I, I like Bill Carmody. I just eventually grew tired of watching this Princeton offense and the one-three-one defense. So, even though I'm not a huge Chris Collins fan, I'll take anyone who could play anything besides the Princeton offense and the one-three-one defense. Do you like Bill Carmody in Independence Day? Um, what? Like, oh, is he like? Uh, Bill Pullman. Will Smith? Oh, Bill Pullman. Okay, got it, got it, yeah. Today we celebrate our Independence Day, right? That's uh, that's Bill Carmody? Yeah. Okay. You can see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's there, it's there. Let's wrap up this podcast, our last one before the season starts, with uh, our, our major conference champions and our final four picks and our national champion, um, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, who, who, you, who are your major conference uh, picks? We can go, I guess, conference by conference. Um, start with the ACC. I'll take uh, North Carolina. Last episode, you talked me into them. I think they're actually, um, yeah, I think that, I think I'll take them. Roy Williams, for as much stick as I give him in game, I think he does prepares players pretty well to just do whatever they want during the game because he's not calling timeouts. 
They're really talented. They have a good combination with Maybach and Little in the backcourt. I saw take North Carolina in the ACC. I'm going with Virginia. Um, I think that Virginia and North Carolina are going to be the two best teams in the ACC. Sorry, Duke fans. At least in the regular season. Uh, Duke might come together by the NCAA tournament. Um, Virginia's defense will be one of the tops in the country. Their offense should be probably even better than last year's offense. Um, I think they're the best, have the best chance of any team to be number one in Ken Palm. Braxton Key comes in. DeAndre Hunter's healthy. Like uh, I'm going to go with uh, Virginia. What about the Big 12? What do you, who do you got there? Kansas. Yeah, I got Kansas. Okay, moving on. Uh, the Big East, what do you think? Uh, I like Villanova. They're so good. I know they lose a lot of players. I know that they um, – yeah, but I don't really see anyone challenging them. Who's going to win that conference if not Villanova? Yeah, it's it's a rough year because if Villanova were this good last year, a lot of teams would challenge them. Of course, Xavier actually won the conference last year and not Villanova, uh, which some people might forget. Uh, they are both number one seeds. Uh, I will go with Villanova. You know, I do like Marquette a lot, but there's no track record in, in Wojo's teams playing defense at Marquette. And even though I think their talent is going to be exceptional on offense, um, and they do have a, a Joe Chartouni, who's um, uh, a point guard transfer from, I believe, Fordham. You know, I think that he'll be uh, an important player for them because he's a he can move Marks Howard off the ball and he can uh, play defense. Uh, I still don't think I... Uh, I have any faith in Marquette winning, actually winning the conference. Okay, let's move on. Big Ten. Who is your Big Ten champion? Give me Indiana. Okay. Go on. Okay. Archie Miller. Romeo. Juwan Langford. Morgan. Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah. They can uh, get the. Keep go for it. I just wish to do. I did not realize it was cream and crimson. By the way, I thought it was crimson and cream, but apparently the lyric and the fight song is cream and crimson. But to me that. Is a little weird because crimson is the more identifying color. No one thinks of cream in Indiana. They think of crimson. So why would you say that one first? I guess it's because the lyric of the song. Was it for the rhyme? Is it for the rhyme? Yeah, probably. But like, I don't know. When you're referring to it as like, you know, the like the the team nickname, I feel like you should go crimson and cream. But whatever. But still, I'm a, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to be annoyed by Indiana basketball again this year. Yeah, Devontae Green is a big question mark at point guard, but um, perhaps Robert Finnessy is a freshman who's kind of a very steady hand, could be a good caretaker in that role to make, just make sure that Langford and Morgan um, can uh, get their shots and, and get their points. So it's, probably, it's probably the best one-two combination in the uh, in the Big Ten. I'm going to take Michigan State. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to take Indiana, but um, I do like Michigan State this year. I think they'll have a very good defense still in the interior even without Jaron Jackson. And uh, Cassius Winston um, may be a, a dark horse if he can get his turnover game uh, in line to to win Conference Player of the Year. Okay, Pac-12, who are you going with? First, I just want to note that they have one team in the top 46 in Ken Palm. The top 45, I should say. Is that bad? Yeah. Well, can you think of the last time a conference had a, the, like a power conference or whatever we call them these days, had a team that's best team is 27th in Ken Palm? It's not good. I, I remember there was a there was a, a year that the Pac-12, I think they had like two teams in the NCAA tournament, and they were both like low seeds. I wonder if I can find that year while we're, while we're talking, while you give us our pick, your pick for the. I'm picking, uh, I'm picking Washington for no good reason, but yeah, I'm trying to think which team it was. Was it 24? 2010. So 2010, the uh, um, the Pac-12 had two NCAA tournament teams. Cal was an 8 seed. They were 14th in Ken Palm. And Washington was an 11 seed. They were 32nd in Ken Palm. No other teams in the top 50. 
Um, that was this is the Pac-10 actually. So before they had two teams, Arizona State was 52, and only the two teams were in the top 100. USC was 77, Arizona was 87. UCLA, Stanford, Oregon were all outside the top 100. Um, so it won't be that bad this year, but uh, but yeah. So you, who who did you say you took? Washington. Oregon. Washington. Yeah. Okay, I'll take Oregon. I guess whatever. I don't really care. It's <laughs> Pac-12. Let's move on. Um, the SEC. Who do you got? Tough to make against Kentucky. As much as I like Auburn and Florida over Chief, give me Kentucky. I'm going to go Kentucky, too. I, I, I kind of like Tennessee. I know I kind of badmouthed them in the last podcast, but they're growing on me. They've got good names. Admiral Schofield, you know, I, it's yeah. just a good name. You want, you want to root for a, a team that has a guy named Admiral Schofield? They play fantastic defense. They're on a string, um, but their, their guard play is a little bit questionable. So um, I will take Kentucky over Tennessee. Uh, so let's move on to our final four picks. T- give, give me your final four picks and your champion, and I'll give you mine, and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a podcast. Sounds good. I'm picking Virginia to make the final four. I'm sick of everyone ripping Tony Bennett, so they're our final four. I'm picking North Carolina to make the final four. I'm picking Kansas to make the final four. And I need, I need like a, I'm going to take Auburn in the final four. Ooh, Auburn. Wow, yeah. you're high on Auburn. Yourself. Bruce Pearl, baby. Okay, well, I'm glad the last two were different because my first two are the same. Oh, who would you have? As your, oh, I guess you do the champion in a second. I picked North Carolina, Virginia, just like you. I picked Kentucky and Gonzaga. So I went a little more chalky than you did, um, although we have a team in Gonzaga that's always kind of a little bit of an outsider, and Virginia's never made it. And North Carolina was picked, I think, by many to be finished third in the conference, um, and then Kentucky. Who, uh, so that's my final four. Who's your national champion, Tom? I will go with North Carolina. Oh, me too. Okay, that was boring. Woof. Okay. Well, whatever. I'm rooting for Kansas. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm rooting for Providence, so we'll see if they win at all. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, there it is. Uh, by the time we talk to you next, there will be games to consider, um, probably some injuries, which I'm rooting against, um, and we'll have a lot to talk about. So until that uh, comes, Tom, what do you got to say? Uh, rock Chalk Jayhawk. Oh, yeah, and shout-out to, uh, if you like our music for our intro and outro, shout-out to uh, bensound.com, and the track is called Going Higher. So we'll take you there. Well, you're probably hearing it underneath my voice right now. Uh, Have a good one, everyone.